it just it clearly shows you the difference between someone who's actually going to do something and someone who's just saying they're going to do something hello and welcome back to where's my stick i'm danielle i'm christy and we don't have a guest for today's show but that's okay because today's show i think is a little bit different than what we normally do um we're not gonna specifically talk about anything that's going on in the nhl but what we are going to do is talk about the HDA and the NHL and the NHLPA's like anti-racism. Uh, what's the word? Should we say pledge? Initiative? <laughs> Initiatives. Yeah. We're going to, well, we, me and Christy, we've been talking about this for a while. We definitely wanted to sit down and really like iron out the difference between the two, where they might overlap and like, which plan I think we think is better moving forward. Um, And then also if we even think that the NHL or the NHLPA or even if, or or even the the HDA um, is actually going to implement different initiatives that could help. So with that, um, let's just give a quick little recap. So August 28th, the... HDA um, pledged or they had they released their public our ask of the NHL and this was the NHL HDA pledge some of the things that they pledged or some of the things that they asked of the NHL was they wanted to accelerate effort efforts to ensure that no barriers exist to prevent black individuals by getting hired, advancing within the NHL, and uh, each of the franchises individually and collectively, uh, quote unquote, the league. So they had some uh, deadlines through 2024. They wanted the number of black executives in the NHL to increase by 3.5%. Uh, for employment of black hockey related personnel to increase to 5% by the end of the 2021 season and 8% by the end of the 22-23 season. And then also employment of black non-hockey related personnel to 10% before the end of the 2021 season and 12.5% before the end of the 2022-2023 season. They also talked about the importance of supplier base and they really wanted the league uh, to at least deliver a 10% increase on um, black suppliers. They wanted um, the NHL to work with more a diverse uh, supplier base by the end of the 20 or before the start of the 2021 season. Um, They also wanted to... uh, ensure that the black the voices of our black indigenous and racialized players are heard and that they have the opportunity to help change the culture of the league by imposing a requirement that at least 50% of the executive inclusion committee or any successor thereof shall be comprised of members selected by the HDA which this one actually you know that seems extremely doable and i think that makes sense but um yeah, I'll keep going. <laughs> uh, that the HDA also wanted to implement anti-racism and uncon- unconscious bias education. 
education within the league and make it mandatory for all of the league's employees before the start of the 2021 season. They also wanted to commit to poli- approved policies and sanctions that reflect a zero commit or a commitment to zero tolerance with respect to racial discrimination and abuse before the start of the 2021 season. Um, and then that the NHL will not support or partner with or accept support from any organizations that have engaged in, promoted, or failed to appropriately respond to racist conduct in their organization or any, uh, or any kind. Um, then they go on to say they also wanted to... They said that they understand that the collection and sharing of relevant, accurate, and timely data is crucial to the success of this initiative and hereby commit a transparency in the collection and communication to HDA of all the information related to the policies, targets, comments, uh, commitments, I'm sorry, and this pledge and the performance of the league in respect uh, on an annual basis. And then they end with, um, they want the NHL to commit to funding or to provide HDA with funding um, to support social justice initiatives that target racism, uh, to create and maintain grassroots hockey development programs that introduce and develop and support, um, to support black indigenous people of color, in minor hockey and to create an anti-racism and unconscious bias training program to use in minor hockey across North America. So a lot, they wanted a lot, but I mean, just after reading over this at first glance, and of course we'll get into what the NHL said, but I mean, I don't think any of these are really that drastic to ask for. I think maybe the monetary, the monetary request is a little bit steep. They don't have a specific number amount in this pledge. And I know some numbers have been going around in hockey media, but I genuinely like a lot of this seems common sense. If you're actually trying to create a, an anti-racism or anti-racist organization. I think a lot of the stuff that they're asking for or suggest suggesting are things that are um, good, good, not only in terms of race, but in terms of like a lot of different things, like especially in like unconscious bias education in the league. Like, I think that's something that should be mandatory for for all employees, especially since the NHL was so big on being like, oh yeah, we're we're listening and learning, and this would be <laughs> this would be a way to kind of prove that yeah we are taking in a conscious effort and we are um, we're we are like trying to be better and to learn because I think it's one it's it's easy to be like okay so. George George Floyd happened, blah, blah, blah. We were all listening and learning, but there's still work to be done and taking in on, on like bias education and stuff like that, that can kind of, I think the work with anti-racism, a lot of it, a lot of the times it becomes politicized 
and that kind of steers people away from wanting to learn about it which is wild but when you do when you have trainings like this um that focus on being on like unconscious thinking that we have in terms Mm -hmm. of like oh if you're if you see like black people on the street like you you automatically go the other way so I think like I think that's doable and it's not asking for much there are a lot of yeah some of the other things might be a little bit more tricky in terms of like in terms of like getting I guess like black executives and uh and like supplier stuff that might be a little more tricky but I think that's stuff that you can find if you look for it and if you and if you work with people that want to work with you like yeah I I'm that is it's that's it's hard to commit to that because you do have to do a lot of research but I mean if you want to be better you're gonna have to try to research and I don't know if there are suppliers in the states that are people of color but I'm pretty sure there's suppliers in Canada that they could work with and different teams could work with and so I think that while it may be a little bit tricky to learn how to do it I think it is doable um, now to have black executives like you know in HR and in in the front offices that could be hard that could be hard but honestly I bet there are people that want these positions and that are qualified for these positions. All they need is a chance. Right, right. Um, I guess we kind of wonder, like, so the HDA, even though most of the most of the um, people in the HDA are black hockey players, there are players that are, you know, Asian or. Um, Pakistani and of our different races like I wonder like a lot of like the number of black executives to 3.5 like I wonder what are what are they doing for though like yeah like yeah like this people was very like black, black focus yeah 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 I mean <clears throat> I, I don't know part of me wants to say like you know when black people are accepted <clears throat> other races are accepted as well like mm-hmm. the you know what i'm saying like uplifting black people in general uplifts other um races and cultures um people who are not black could refute me on that but i just feel like that i mean that's just kind of i, I think that way but yes. Yes. i mean i mean i will say uh there is a higher percentage of black players in the NHL compared to mm-hmm. um, other non-white players but something something that I see just like in general when talking about like race is just like why are we always so focused on black people what about this that and the other thing mm-hmm. and uh, and I think the most common response up to that from black people are just like well if you want us to talk about like asian american issues or latino issues then 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 talk about it and i think that i just think the numbers in hockey aren't there compared to black players but i but i will say like when they say implement anti-racism and unconscious bias education like that 
in ex- in and of itself helps Asian Amer- Asians and you know Hispanics and any culture right. because a lot of it is kind of like. I don't know, in hockey, it seems like it's us against them. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter who them are. Like, all of, they fall in, all of them fall into this, like, other. Right. And so I think that, you know, a lot of these ass cover that. Even mm-hmm. though, like, maybe, like you said, like, the black, like, employment, the employment of black, like, you know, hockey-related personnel or non-hockey-related personnel is a little bit, like secluded into black i still think that a majority of this could help others i really like this ask where it was like we asked that you will not support partner or accept any support from organizations that engaged in promoted or failed to appropriately respond to race conduct in their organization of any kind like yes i, <laughs> I read I think, that i was like yes i, I while like I love that, but I think that one's the biggest ask yeah, for the exactly. NHL. Yeah, because <laughs> they have yes. like look at some of our GMs and like owners. I know. And stuff. I was gonna say, okay, so we can't talk. We can't talk to the Vegas. Uh, New York Rangers. You can't talk about the Vegas Golden Knights. Like, I mean, when they didn't handle stuff, like they're talking about any failed to appropriately respond, like any type of response, like they that's a hard no for them. And I com- I completely understand that. And I agree with that, but I agree with you as well when you say that's one of the hardest things. Um, um, but I really do like, I really, I think like their last couple of asks are like the most um, concerning for the NHL, but I really do like how they have um, clear action steps for the NHL to take, like even mm-hmm. if they weren't going to do all of these things, but having unbiased education, making that mandatory for players and even league employees, like, as soon as next season, I think that's something that the league could potentially do, even if we don't know when the season starts. Like, that's something that they can look into. Um, And having, like, a zero-tolerance policy, that's something that, like, it doesn't cost the league anything to do something like that. Um, so I think, I think there are some things that are easier for the NHL to do right away than others, but even the things that aren't as easy, such as like, you know, finding black suppliers and stuff like that, they have a timeline for that. So like they give them a little bit of time. So yeah, I really do like this. I just, I don't think it's, it's so outrageous of an ask. I really don't. And I think it's doable. And that even if the NHL would have came and said, you know, okay, let it's, let's see if we can get this done in, in a two-year span. Mm-hmm. You know, like maybe not all of this is at once because, again, you could say we're living in a pandemic. <laughs> but like, you know what I'm saying? They could space this out and say, like, listen, okay, our revenue is down. Maybe so some of these, like, monetary requests can't be done or mm-hmm. you know but looking at the different businesses and stuff like that we can say okay these contracts aren't out but when this contract does end we want to we looked at these three different groups and we right. were thinking okay like you know maybe you could do an interviewing process and we can see how we can get them on or something like that like there's a way to make this work or but, even like um or even like I I watch like some panel on something like that on 
something to do about like sports management or even just like having a scholarship in a college on sports management and having like a like a black student or or a student of color participate in an internship in the NHL relating mm-hmm. to sports management where people assume that where that the money is in basketball or football where they can see that hockey is could potentially be an option for them i think that that could also be beneficial cuz then it would lead that person to employment at the end of at the yeah. end of the day yeah and or like more t- students who are in those like you know areas of study would say that like oh maybe there is a way to get to where I want to get in hockey it's not just there and like I don't know about your job but my job does where they have like we get um like every I guess semester we get like a group of kids that are interns and they just shadow people and um like it's like every like every like twice a year we get groups of kids, oh. and so like maybe the NHL should do something like that. Like there's yeah. so many different aspects of front offices that they could they could end up like having like 300 kids every mm-hmm. year, right. you know. And honestly, it could be for free. Like they can, so it's not like the NHL has to pay them. Yeah, they're interns because you know they're stingy. So um, <laughs> I mean, no, listen, I'm all about paying your interns. Don't get me wrong. Like I do yes. think that interns should get paid. Yes. But I'm saying, like, there are ways you could do this yeah. and make it work, you know? There was. So, I don't know. One more but, thing that I like. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I liked when they were, like, how that the HDA should have people on the executive inclusion committee um, or just, like, people that they recommend because that opens up an avenue to have these two organizations working together rather than being mm-hmm. like, oh, we are two completely separate ent- entities and we do one thing and they do another thing. Because like at the end of the day, this is all about hockey. So it makes more sense to have some sort of collaboration. And yeah, again, this costs nothing. There's there's no money Literally. involved. It's cost nothing. And honestly, what I would I would say that I would feel more comfortable if members of the HDA were in the um, in the uh, player inclusion committee and on the executive inclusion council. But we'll get into that a little bit. <laughs> okay, so like we said, this ask from the HDA was announced August twenty eighth. September 3rd, the NHL released a media relations post where they said um, the NHL and the NHL PA are planning mandatory inclusion and diversity training for all the NHL players and NHL PA staff members to be conducted during training camp and the first part of the 2021 season. So that's really important. I think that that's something we should take a, like put a little star on because the first part of the 2021 season should be coming soon. And um, we'll see how long training camp is and see if any of those... (laughs) any uh, of those uh, trainings happened but they said that an all league employees or all league employees will participate in an inclusion learning experience conducted by bill proudman from the white men as full diversity's partner their education will focus on anti-racism on un- unconscious bias 
dimensions of identity, microaggressions, and cultural competency. All right, so just a little insight. <laughs> the White Men as Full Diversity Partners, they were founded in 1996. Bill Proudman and Michael Welp pioneered a white man-only learning experience, inviting a group of senior leaders to an immense experience on race, gender, white men culture, and courageous leadership. At the core, this concept of insiders and outsiders Insiders are those who fit within the domain, the dominant leadership group, often unaware that they're sitting, they're setting the entire organization's tone. This means that the outsiders, women, people of color, LGBTQ+, or anyone that doesn't fit the quote-unquote norm, must leave pieces of themselves behind as they morph to climb the corporate ladder. So... Let's just stop right there, Christy. Yes. This this anti-racism and unconscious bias uh, or inclusion and diversity training, however you want to say it, um, done by the white men as full diversity partners. What's your thoughts on that? While I think it is, it's an interesting concept because I definitely think that, um, when there are people of color in the room or when there are black people in the room, when you do these um, racism trainings, I think a lot of the focus, like rightfully so, is on black people's experience or whatever um, minority groups experience. And what ends up happening is a lot of the times white people feel guilty or they they spend the entire training like apologizing blah 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 so i think the concept or the idea of having it be like white men only in a training space learning about um learning about like racism and bias implicit bias stuff like that i think that's interesting How, however I I don't know if I trust these people. Like I think I think it needs to be done in a very very careful way and you like you can't just have anyone doing it and while I don't know what these like whatever these people have been doing it for like 24 years so maybe they have some success I like I'm cautionary on what that would um, be like because I'm sure that white people going through racism training and trying to figure out their own biases I think that talking about it in that space with only white people and not having people of color to like apologize to or not having people of color in the room I think there can be a lot of growth in that however I'm I it would just it would just have to take a really really special kind of person to lead the training or to lead the experience and i don't know i don't know if you did this when you had your college orientation but we did, we did this at my school and maybe they maybe the NHL could do something like this where we were talking about like like consent and like sexual abuse and stuff like that so at first we were all together and then they split us like girls and guys to kind of get 
to kind of get like the guy's point of view and then the girl's point of view and then split them up. So maybe, so maybe if you start with a room full of um, diverse people and then splitting it off, maybe that would be different because, because I also think that sometimes white people need to hear from black people and people of color about their experiences. But then I also, but then I also think that that sometimes there is benefit in having in having only one type of group or like one like a girls group or whatever like where we talk about girl issues yeah yeah I mean that's the one part of this that I think is really interesting that it is only white men um because I feel like kind of like you said, either white people are apologizing or they just don't see it. Like, Mm -hmm. they just don't, like, it doesn't hit them. Like, you you know, so I think a white person telling them that, like, hey, listen, (laughs) this can be, this can come off as this way or this can be this way or do you ever think this way? I think that that might be beneficial, but I think, like you said, they, this could be good or this could be bad. Like, you know what I'm saying? This could, they could be in this training being like, yeah, I know, like, it's, come on, Joe, you just gotta, just say it like this in public and this behind closed doors Mm -hmm. or something like that. But I don't know. That's really interesting. I just, I don't know. I don't know if I'm like sold by this, but I will. I don't think if, if they're going to have these people do the training, I don't think they should be the only thing that they do. That's fair. Yeah. I agree with that. So then the NHL goes on to say that at the club level, the NHL will continue to host. I love to say continue to host a series of courageous conversations related to race, equality, diversity, and inclusion. These conversations provide a forum where the club personnel can delve into subject matters such as privilege, embracing difference, and becoming an ally and unconscious bias. Uh, also, the league said it will continue to educate our fans and stakeholders about the importance of anti-racism work throughout the extensions of our Committing to Change, a resource guide and amplification of NHL players, prospects, and alum who use their voice to call to change. I don't know what this is, but I'm wondering if it's that little like document where they were like, hey, hey read these books. Hey, follow, like listen to these podcasts. Hey, go look at these monuments of slaves being brought over. Like, I don't know. Like, I know that they tweeted out that and I'm wondering if they think that's it. Like, is that what they're referencing? Because what are they talking about committing to change and courageous conversations? I know this is by per NHL team. So I'm wondering if like two teams did this and they were like, and that's why all, let's like lump it into all teams did this. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That doesn't sound familiar to me. I I think it is just like a link where you can watch, where you can sort of like educate (laughs) yourself. You could watch, uh, (laughs) what is it, that movie? Hidden Uh, Figures or something. Yeah, Hidden Figures or The Help or... (laughs) (laughs) You can watch The Color Purple for like the 20th time. Yeah. To Kill a Mockingbird even. Even though that was my favorite book in high school. Like, am I insane? All right. Um, So then the NHL also said that it has formed the exclusive 
with the Executive Inclusive Council, uh, composed of owners, former players, and team and league execs. The council, co-chaired by the Buffalo Sabres owner Kim Pagula and Commissioner Gary Bettman, will be committed to spearheading more inclusive thinking. We heard about this council. We're, We're like close to what? A year at this point, we heard about it. And then they touted the council out again and said they were making some other committees under these council, or under this council. But, like, the thing about it is, is you started off saying that it will be co-chaired by Kim Bagula. And that's when I was like, and I, <laughs> they lost me. It's co- <laughs> She can barely run. She can't run a team. How could co- you run it? It's co-chaired by Pagula and Gary Bettman. Like... Well, you knew he was going to throw his name on there because he's act, always likes to act like he's doing something. Like, I feel like that is the, <laughs> like, why am I going to go complain to it? Like, you, you're my boss, essentially. Like, huh? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And composed of owners. Or, Most of the owners are white. Yeah. So, like, I don't, and then former players, well, there's only, like, a few that they like to rely on William but I, on there. <laughs> like enough let him rest like I can't um but the additional three committees are the player inclusion committee uh which will be co-chaired by PK Subban and Anson Carter um and then it will be comprised of current and former NHL players and women's national team players uh we also know that uh, what's his name uh <laughs> The guy from Carolina is on this. Oh, Jacob Slavin. Jacob ah! Slavin is on this because he has a black daughter. So, of course, he would be on this. The man who racism existed until two years after he adopted his black daughter. Two years. And the man who did nothing in the bubble, even though plenty of people were doing stuff. The man who right. did absolutely nothing in the bubble. Who has a black and has daughter. A do- and has a black daughter is on this committee. Uh, and then the last two committees are the Fan Inclusion Committee and the Youth Hockey Inclusion Committee. Uh, they plan to each develop action-oriented solutions to positively impact the access, opportunity, and experiences that underrepresented groups have in the game. The NHL also said that it announces initiatives to combat racism ex- uh accelerate inclusive efforts um and the nhl and the nhl pa will work jointly with the hockey diversity alliance to establish and administer a first of its kind grassroots hockey development program to provide mentorship and skill development for black and indigenous people of color boys and girls in the greater toronto area Additionally, the parties have agreed to pursue a similar pilot program based in the U.S. that will be announced at a later date. These, pro- these pilot programs will represent a unique opportunity to partner with the HDA to use power of their representation to inspire the next generation. The NHL also, like in that media, um, that media release, they go on to say like a lot of different things that they put in place. Well, previously that they put in place that they're going to continue to do where it's like, we're going to donate to underfunded groups in the inner city kids and have them continue to skate. And we're going to do um, a lot of stuff that pretty much they continue to do. Like there's no new initiatives. 
like they ha- they talk about the NHL hotline, which has already been developed, and they said that there still is no time frame given for its completion, but that the, all the programs in the NHL say that they will support financially, though no dollar release dollar amounts have been released. Um, yeah, so the <laughs> the executive inclusion committee. Uh, said that they were going to develop strategies to provide more inclusive workspaces and environments while holding others accountable. Uh, There's no set target dates for when that needs to happen or when it would be considered a success. There's really no, there's no hard dates. There's just a lot of things that they're like, oh yeah, like we're going to, these are action items. Yeah, we're going to do this. Yeah, we're going to do that. But there's no hard dates like you see in the HDAs ask. Yeah. And and something else. And I, that's intentional, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like a lot of it is very overcomplicated. Mm-hmm. Like, the HDAs, um, what was it? Like, their ask of the NHL, it was eight items. And I feel like the NHL and the NHLPA, they're just like, we're going to have this committee, and we're going to have this committee, and we're going to have this and that committee. And it's just like, I feel like, it's over complicating it's a lot of it's a lot of filler content with no substance yeah yeah and then like something that i saw that really annoyed me that um hamal mentioned in her article was how there is going there's a zero tolerance policy on failing to report um like racist remarks or like any like any derogatory remark whatever but there's not a zero tolerance policy on actually making that remark. And I think that's just, mm-hmm. that's wild. Yeah. Uh, the article that Christy um, is referencing is the NHL's new anti-racism plan falls far short of where players and fans need the league to be. And we will of course keep that linked in the show notes. We'll also link the, HDA's ask, their press release of their ask, and then we'll link the NHL's media release on this so you can get everything that we're referencing. But yeah, I first of all, Hamal's um, article is very, very good. If you don't feel like reading either of the two press releases, you can just re- read this article where she goes into detail talking about like a lot of the flaws in the NHL's response. And, like, what they're saying compared to what the HDA is saying. And, like, I feel like there's a lot of symmetry in it in what they're asking. It's just that the HDA goes into more detail and they have dates and their plan is, like, something that could actually be implemented. Right. Where the NHL's plan is just a lot of words and they're saying a lot of fluffy stuff like anti-racism and unconscious bias and, like, you know, inclusion and diversity but there's nothing there's no hard facts there's there's it's very vague like the player inclusion um committee you get a you get two players two prominent black uh former player and an actual player um and that's really it like you don't get what they want to do what their aims are to do Mm -hmm. i mean again like we talked about this um what's the word this uh the executive inclusion council this was supposed to be set up before the whole the whole like 
before September. This was they told us about this at the start of the season before. Right. So, I mean, it just it clearly shows you the difference between someone who's actually going to do something and someone who's just saying they're going to do something, right. which I mean is not surprising, right? <laughs> like this is not a surprise. It's just like it, it feels like the NHL had to fill up a word count with their with their <laughs> with, with their like ideas and proposals or whatever, as opposed to the HDA. Like it's crazy how the HDA actually said more with their eight with their list of eight like ass mm-hmm. compared to everything that the NHL put out. And like, what what is PK Subban and Anson Carter doing? Like, what are we having the fan inclusion committee doing? Like, how are we going to make sure that fans and stakeholders understand what the NHL is trying to be about? Because that's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So how are you going to reach all of them? And as we've seen since, like, when Vegas, like, when teams got out of the bubble, like, the stakeholders have a lot of say. Like, the police unions writing a letter to right. the Golden Knights got the Golden Knights to just back out of everything. I mean, and they didn't really do anything. The Golden Knights did nothing, and so they were like, oh, we're, we're sorry that our players said that Black Lives Matter. <laughs> like, I... So it's important to talk to these stakeholders, but again, the NHL shows how money... I, I don't even want to say money hungry, because like if they were really hungry for profit they would like the league would be run completely different it'd be very similar to basketball um but they're just so scared of not having the their racist fans like they're scared of making them upset i don't even think it's like racist fan like like obviously like it's racist but i feel like they're just so they're just so scared of just like rocking the boat just a little yeah. bit or ha- like taking a stand on any like this is not even outside of race or whatever just taking a stand on anything they're they're always yeah. middle of the pack on any decision and it's just like i like i understand well like they want to be they want to be middle of the pack and they end up being and behind the pack because they wait so long to like try to be the middle and then they get missed and then they fuck up and they have to apologize or redo it so they they just suck yeah and it's just like that doesn't that doesn't show leadership that doesn't Mm. show um that doesn't give like the people that are going to be fans of you are the people that are going to be fans of you at the end of the day. Mm. So if you do this or if you don't, like you need to be confident that you have a good enough product that people are going to watch regardless. And I don't think the NHL has that. Like, so you're just, you're just doing this for what? That's a really, because the fans on Twitter are trying to, are holding them accountable. Right, right. But you brought up a really good point last episode, and if you haven't listened to that episode, you should listen to it after this. Um, But you brought up a point with the Arizona Coyotes' fourth-round draft pick when you were saying, you know, does he really know, 
Like, is he really sorry or is he just going to wait till all of this blows over? And that is one of the reasons why I think we really wanted to talk about this on the podcast because, you know, it's after the election. And I think that this is a mindset that a lot of people are having that, oh, okay, it's over. Like, you know, just because Trump isn't in office or he won't be starting next year, that we can all go back to normal. Well, normal still fucking sucked for all of us. Like, it still sucked for people of color. Like, don't, like, all these things that happened, like, to Akima Lu, like, all the things that happened in junior hockey in Canada, in America, this all happened. Pre. Like, pre-Trump. And now. You know, like. And now he's emboldened all of these people. So it's yeah, not so, going to go away. Exactly. So, like, everyone keeps thinking, like, oh, the fight's over. No, it's it literally has just begun. And where we are in this time, like, this now is the time to change. Now is the time to actually put these measures in place to change or they're, ne- or they're never going to change. And... I think that talking about that, like the NHL is real smug right now because they think that they got away with it. Like, oh, we said we were going to do all this stuff and now we're not doing absolutely any of it. And we can get away with that because a lot of people's eyes and their focus isn't on hockey or isn't on racial justice right now. Right. And so, like, I guess with all that said my question to you is like where like where do we what's what's realistically a way to move forward like how how is this going to pan out like obviously we know that the hda released um a they like released a a pledge like social media pledge where they were saying that they're no longer going to be connected with the nhl right. which i think we all wanted them not to be um we all wanted them to be operating independent of the nhl and this came out october 7th where they said that the hda um plans to operate independent of the nhl and that was that was because the nhl didn't get back to any of them uh any of their requests Mm. after a couple months so i guess my question for you christy is just like what realistically happens next I mean, I think realistically... I'm just like, solve this problem now. (laughs) (laughs) I think realistically, like, they're going to have their little trainings um, that (laughs) they're going to do the little privilege walks and be like, how privileged are you? (laughs) Or whatever. Um, With that, it'll be very, very surface level. Yeah. Yeah, I see, I think that this is going to be a really hard road for the HDA moving forward, especially without like help from the NHL. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, how do you get like, it's just easy. It's easy to mandate everyone having to take these, um, to take these like courses and Mm -hmm. to take these go into and hearing, um, these like include these trainings but when so then they're gonna have to like try to like get the players to do it one like not one by one but like 
um, voluntarily. Mm -hmm. And so that's, it's just a lot. It's just going to be a lot for them to do this on their own. And I don't think that they can be sustained. Yeah. And I don't, it being like financially crowdfunding is like sustainable. Mm -hmm. So, and then you brought up a really good point. Like they can't do this all on their own. Like who are they getting to run this business or run this organization? Because it's going to take a lot because you need like a media relations team. You need like a developing team. Like you need someone reaching out to to different people and that's a lot especially when they play hockey so i hope that they have a good foundation put in place this seemed like you know they're trying Mm -hmm. um but the players are only players like they're like the face of it but they can't be they can't run it yeah they can't and i would be a little bit concerned if they did run it yeah because like none of them i don't even think any of them have like a solid college degree which i'm not saying that you need to have a college degree to be able to run organizations but i don't think they can run an organization and play hockey i mean it's it's hard running a nonprofit because you're constantly you're grant writing you're trying to find Mm -hmm. other funders you're um like it's it's just a lot it's just a lot like yeah. <laughs> coming from working but from- i think that there's so much possibility in this like mm-hmm. i think that if they really got out there there's people that want to help mm-hmm. and there's like businesses that want to be linked to organizations doing this like i right. i wonder if like bauer or you know what i mean like that's obviously thinking big but like what are some other nhl like dunkin donuts like mm-hmm. there are things that would want to be on the, their side, right, like, right. supporting this initiative. But that would take, like, that just takes so much manpower that yeah. nine NHL players with families and with having to do hockey at the same time just, like, <laughs> they train can't do And it. all of that, yeah. So that's what I'm wondering. Like, I, I really hope that they, like, what they're doing now or what they're doing since – the beginning of October, they're really like compiling a really solid group to put this together. Cause I mean, whoever wrote the, um, wrote their, writes their press releases does a good job. Like it's clear, it's concise. It's not too long. And whoever is running their website, it's, it's very clear. It's, it's nice to look at. It has everyone like, it's easy to navigate. Like they, they're set up. Okay. But I want them if they're going to be serious about doing everything that they said in their ask mm-hmm. without the NHL, it's going to be hard. It's right. going to be really hard. But I think that if you, I kind of hate to say this, but if you spoon feed some of the players, like they will initially start like to, taking it, like, you know, doing this. Yeah. Like I think players that were really serious, like the guys that did something in the bubble, like I think Blake Wheeler, like I think there's other players that would be open to this doing the training it's just going to be hard to to win over a good amount but one thing i really liked and i should have said this earlier is that i do like that they said that they wanted to keep like to have their data like all the stuff that they're doing accessible to like to the public Mm -hmm. because people want to see that and i think that that is good because at the end of the day it holds them accountable yeah and i just i don't know man like i don't know how to help them i don't know like how to they can move forward with this but i just know that it's going to be really really hard but if they can do the work if they or they have a good foundation this could work out yeah 
out of all of the um all of i don't want to say list of demands out of all the key components that the hda like came up with how did they pick like i just wonder what went into the process of picking the one about um the one that they're partnering with the nhl with the mm-hmm. with like the youth clubs or whatever yeah. in toronto like how did the NHL pick? Like how do, let's read out of all of the things that we just read. We're just gonna do this one. Like we'll work with you on this, but we won't work with you on the on the education stuff. Like I think that I think needed. because the oh sorry, I think that because it that was like kind of already in progress the NHL just kind of just hopped on so since they already hopped on they're like okay well um we we'll say that. yes to this <laughs> yeah and we'll put this in our press release so we feel good but anything else we're just we're we're going to get back at you and they never did and then i think that the HJ thought if they publicly said something that the NHL might give them a call back but i don't know I mean, again, we don't know the, the back and forths uh, from this. But I just, like, I really do hope, like, I I truly hope that the, the HDA stays separate mm-hmm. and really works on this. Because if they do, if they put in the work, like, things can actually change. And I know it's so hard because it's, like, annoying to say, like, oh, black people always have to put in the work. Like, they always have to do the work. But it's, like, if if you don't, nobody else will. You know, like the NHL's not gonna do it, the AHL's not gonna do it, Hockey Canada's not gonna do it, USA Hockey's not gonna do it. Like that's so. I can only imagine how frustrating that is, though, because they're really not asking for a lot. Like, <laughs> like they're, they're literally really not. not. It's not like they said every there needs to be 50 percent of the executives in the um in the nhl needs to be black like they were like five percent and if you really think about the numbers on five percent exactly that's like what two three it's not a lot yeah it's not a lot and so that's why it's just really disheartening and it's not surprising that the nhl would be like this but it really does fucking suck like it truly does yeah so, with that, Christine, anything else on this topic? I, I don't know. The NHL asks for players to compromise on a lot of things and to see that they cannot compromise in this one instance. It's not great. Not at all. But as many, like, stoppages, like, player stoppages it's been, like, it's very clear that the NHL does not like to compromise. And that's why it's in the same place it's it's at right now. Like, it could be so much better, but it's not. And so, yeah. So, with that, thanks, guys, for listening to uh, this episode. I know it's not a traditional, and we didn't really talk about a lot that's going on in the NHL, but there's really nothing going on. So, I thought this was a really good topic <laughs> to talk about. And like we said, all of the articles are going to be in the show notes so if you have any questions or want to look any of this stuff up yourself it'll be there um you can always reach us on twitter at where's underscore my underscore stick uh if you haven't listened to last episode please listen to it subscribe and if you really like this episode 
you know, give us five stars on iTunes and tell us you liked it. Yeah. <laughs> we really like it. So thanks again, guys, for listening. And we'll talk to you next episode. Bye. Bye. I nailed that close. That was really good. That was really good.